What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the third episode of the No Chalk Locks podcast. I am Alex Mueller, and if you aren't familiar already, each week we recap the previous NFL games, and then we break down the upcoming slate of games. So we'll definitely get to that today. And boy, is it nice to finally see two weeks of the NFL in action. I mean, I think we have a lot to talk about who's hot and who's not, especially things we can expect to see moving forward. Week two is a weird one. We're going to talk about it. Don't you worry. At this time of the recording, it is currently Tuesday night, which means Thursday night football is just two days away. And week three is right around the corner. So these weeks are moving fast, super, super fast. I I remember before the season even started, we were like dying in need of NFL. And now it's just like coming at us like left and right. So, but on this episode, I am joined by no other than the NFL genius himself, Miles Jordan, as well as No Chalk Locks' very own Corey Fishman. Boys, what is going on? Oh man, not much, Alex. Uh, you know, just excited to record tonight. Uh, Norm McDonald is dead, but our uh, streak of continuing to win is alive. Oh yeah, I yeah, love it. And Corey, what's going on with you, man? Everything's good over here, man. I'm uh, I'm excited to be on the pod with uh, you and Miles. The man's been on a hot streak, and uh, I'm here for a good conversation today. Yeah, I'm super excited. Week two was absolutely crazy. We got a lot of games to go through. Um, so let's kick it off with the Thursday night game of last week. It was the New York Giants versus the Washington football team. Washington ended up winning this game by just one point. It was a close game the entire way, and it was a high-scoring game. Miles, what kind of happened there? Um, Washington didn't cover the spread. Yeah, I mean, I feel like if you're a New York Giants fan, you're uh, a little pissed after watching that game, considering the football team blew it at the end with a missed kick. and. Some say that the nose tackle jumped the snap perfectly and uh, looks like the NFL officiating crew disagreed, called a offsides, re-kicked, moved it five yards closer, and luckily for the football team, they hit it on the second try and snuck out of there with a victory. Yeah, honestly, for me, it kind of shocked me on how high scoring that game was. I didn't really anticipate the Giants coming out doing much damage, especially against a good secondary Washington team. Or was there anything that you saw in that game that kind of stood out? I was actually going to say the scoring, too. I mean, we saw the Sharps hammer this game. Uh, I think the total opened around 43 and a half, 44, got down to 41. Uh, And then we saw a 59-point game. Um, And, I mean, Taylor Heineke, Ivan. A crazy game. Uh, I mean, no one saw that coming. 336 yards, two touchdowns, and Antonio Gibson basically rendering useless, whereas J.D. McKissick had what was likely a career game for him. Um, so, yeah, cr- crazy stuff. I mean, we were all in the under. Uh, unexpected stuff there. Yeah, that was so, tough. Uh, it was nice. You felt good going into it because we had like a point and a half of closing line value on the under, but just shows you that if you worship at the altar of closing line value, uh, sometimes you're still going to come up broke. Yeah, that's the tough part. It is It is a good thing that we are beating these lines early on in the week. Definitely want the closing line down in your favor. However, sometimes these games do happen. Um, with Washington winning this game but not covering, what's kind of your outlook going into week three when they are tasked against the Buffalo Bills who put up a 35-piece on Miami's defense this past week? Yeah, I mean, I felt like that Bills final was – extremely, extremely um, deceiving. The Dolphins actually got stopped on fourth down twice inside the Bills 20, and the Dolphins were 0 for 4 on fourth downs, all that were three yards or less. So that could have easily been a much different game, even with Tua going out. I was personally shocked when one of my books opened the line, uh, Bills minus 10 against the Washington football team, and I jumped all over Washington plus 10. Uh, Now, even throughout all my books, the line ranges from bills by seven and a half to some books still have nine. So I don't know if Vegas is just confused on how good Taylor Heineke is going to be or how good the bills really are, but there's definitely, that's the game this week that has the most, um, the most different lines across all books. 
Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, I think you have to lay the points with Washington. I mean, if you're looking at Buffalo right now, ranked second to last in team pass blocking grade. According to PFF, Josh Allen didn't look as sharp as he did last season throughout the first two games right now. I think if you're riding high on the Washington football team, you're getting a lot of points on the road, especially on a maybe a, a Buffalo game where they scored 35. There might be a little bit overhype here coming into week three. Corey, would you agree to be on Washington here? Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think this is a perfect fade to public spot, uh, which is exactly what we're having. We're seeing a lot of reverse line movement here, no matter, uh, even though the, the Bills are the, uh, the public darlings here, the line's moving towards Washington. Uh, and yeah, it's just that overreaction spot where we saw the Bills absolutely blow out the Dolphins and, and Washington struggle with the Giants. Um, obviously, that Miami team was not healthy, and uh, the um, Washington is not the Dolphins. So uh, yeah, definitely, definitely a good spot to uh, fade the public here. For sure. A team I personally wanted no part of in week two, nor do I want moving forward, was the Jacksonville Jaguars. T-Law has definitely struggled this year. Um, this might be, honestly, their toughest matchup of the year against the Arizona Cardinals going into week three. They lost this game by 10 against the Broncos. Miles, is there anything that stood out in this game that kind of just rode home for the Broncos here? Uh, well, my first gut reaction would be, do people call Trevor Lawrence T-Law and I'm just unaware of this? Or is this uh, Alex Mueller special? <laughs> this is an Alex Mueller special, 100%. Like, okay. you got to go short names for me. Okay, well, uh, yeah, T-Law doesn't look great. I mean, I'm sure it's a lot <laughs> harder when you're playing with people who are below average compared to when he was at Clemson. All of his surrounding supporting cast was well above average. Um, in my opinion, the biggest takeaway from this game is Trevor Lawrence, while he is mobile, he doesn't deal with pressure well. Um, a lot of the times, I think teams are flushing him out of the pocket. and He's looking downfield, which is good uh, and promising if I'm a Jacksonville fan, but he's kind of sailing balls or putting a couple balls in the dirt after being flushed. And I think that that is a problem. Obviously, it was against Denver, and I think that problem is going to continue against Arizona. So unfortunately, it's not an Alex Miller special. Based on Google, if you search T-Law in the Google engine, Trevor Lawrence does come up. Um, so unfortunately, <laughs> I did not create that. Um, oh, man. But not, we're going to the Houston Texans versus the Cleveland Browns. The Browns defense is not as advertised this year. Um, I have a big bet on the Chicago Bears for week three. But before we get into that, I definitely want to talk about how this pass rush is ranked 20th and their coverage is ranked 23rd this season. And they haven't been playing great offenses. Um, they didn't cover the spread in this one against the Texans. Corey, was there anything to take away here um, in this Texans and Browns game? I mean, I think the big takeaway is just the lack of receivers that the Browns have right now. I mean, obviously they've been without OBJ the whole year and now Jarvis Landry likely out for at least a few weeks looking like a possible IR, IR stint. Um, I mean, at this point, we're literally looking at Dimitri Felton possibly being their wide receiver one with uh, their influx of tight ends with Brian Hooper and Joku. Um, it, the offense could be a mess if they can't run the ball against the Bears. Uh, so this one's going to be very interesting. Yeah, I think that Texans and Browns game actually could have been one of the biggest upsets last week if Tyrod Taylor hadn't got injured. Um, and the Texans were, looked like, an equal team to the Browns besides a couple of um, snafus. I mean, the Texans stopped the Browns really quick on the first possession and then muffed the punt. And the Browns got the ball on the 35 and scored. Uh, Houston defense actually has five takeaways in two weeks. So they are, they are a little bit better than I think people are giving them credit. And this also could have been a seven-point game at the end, but Joey Sly, former Panther, RIP missed a 41 yarder with about uh, two minutes left in the game that could have cut it to seven. And you never know what could have happened with the onside kick possibility, but it, instead it just ended with the Browns lining up in victory formation and taking some knees. Yeah, I think that's the crazier part. We saw a lot of games in week two that actually kind of took you by surprise in terms of teams you thought should come out hot. Um, or just didn't do as good as expected. I think with that being said, with the Browns being so slim, like Corey mentioned, um, with the defense not being as great as advertised coming into the season, I'm going to put a bet uh, one unit on the Chicago Bears to cover plus seven and a half. I think anything more than the touchdown here makes sense for the Bears. The last game, their defense came together. 
um, at home. They finally got their shit together after a bad game against the Rams. Um, Dave Montgomery's running the ball really well. I think if right now it's a tricky situation with Dalton and Fields. I'm not sure where Dalton's status is going to be coming into Sunday afternoon, but if he's not, Fields should begin the full start. Either way, I think anything more than a touchdown, uh, the Bears are a lock for me. Um, are you guys on the same side, or is it maybe a layoff game for you guys? Yeah, I mean, I, I would tend to agree with you on that. I do think that the Bears quarterback situation is worrisome. Um, I don't think either one of those quarterbacks are very good. I know all the Bears fans clamor for Chesson Fields, but he is extremely inaccurate, and I, I don't trust his decision-making this early. Um, I will be interested to see how uh, this game shakes out, and I I would lean to the Bears plus 7.5 just because I don't have that much respect for a hurt Browns team, but – I'm likely staying away. What about you, Corey? Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. It's a lean for me, but I don't think it's enough for a unit here. You just have to see more um, from what's coming from the Bears. We don't know who's starting yet, and then if Fields is starting, it's a little worrisome, especially in the first half. Um, but, yeah, this game is just a tricky one. The line hasn't moved much. I think it's a stay away. Agree. Sounds good. The next game we have is the 49ers versus Eagles. This one was a closer game. Uh, the Niners ended up winning this one by six points on a total of 17 to 11. The over-under was set at 49 points. That, by no chance, even came close. Miles, what happened in this? Yeah, I mean, I think this situation where the Eagles' defense looks legit, uh, I had talked about it a little bit on the pod last week, but I thought that the Eagles were a team that were going to catch a lot of other teams by surprise with their college-style offense that's more read uh, run pass option heavy. But once again, as I said last week, the 49ers kind of have this system as well. So I thought it was just a good matchup for the 49ers. Uh, This is definitely a misleading game as well. I mean, the Eagles had a touchdown called back when one of the wide receivers was going out of bounds by inches, then get a 43 yard field goal block. So it could have been six or 10 to zero early in the second. And then the Eagles couldn't score from the one-yard line on first and goal and called the Philly special on fourth and goal. And the wide receiver, who ended up being the quarterback on this play, for all those who know the Philly special, just threw it out of bounds. So he didn't even give the receiver a chance when it was fourth down. So just really stupid play calling uh, cost the Eagles. But I think that they played a really good 49ers team tough. And I'm, I'm looking to lay the Eagles plus four in Dallas this week. Yeah, that's a Monday night game. I think that's a good bounce back spot for the Eagles. They're listening to plus four on the road against the Cowboys team. Um, I'm sure we have some opinions there. We will get into that Cowboys game later, though. I want to jump into the next game, which is the Raiders versus Steelers. The Raiders have come out a hot 2-0. and Corey, uh, are they the real deal right now? I don't buy it. I just think we saw Big Ben just not being himself that game. I mean, I still can't believe what happened uh, throughout that game. We saw a few Steelers wide receivers go down with injuries, come back into the game, but actually Deontay Johnson got injured in the last play of the game, which is uh, pretty worrisome for them. But, I mean, Steelers' defense did their usual thing. Uh, the Raiders really had no run game. It's just they got destroyed over the top. Um, the rugs play just absolutely uh, to find the game there. Uh, I think the Steelers had a hiccup in that one. The Raiders always start off the season hot and they fall off. Um, I'm not buying it. Now, of course, they walk into a juicy matchup with Miami if Tua's out, but yeah, I don't know. What do you, what do you think, Miles? Yeah, this line is kind of bounced all over the place. I thought I was getting it on it early when it opened. Uh, one of my books at minus four. I saw it get all the way up to minus five, minus 115. And then I checked today and it's back down to minus three and a half at some books. So I don't know if Vegas is just predicting two to play, but even if he does play, he didn't look, he didn't look uh, that productive for when I watched, I will say that I am a believer of this Raiders team. And if you remember Alex and I's week one discussion, that's why I was uh, laying off the Raiders Ravens game. Cause I was higher on the Raiders than most. Um, Derek Carr is actually one of the top five quarterbacks in the league if you just look at passing yards and passing touchdowns over the past five years. And I think he has some real weapons, and the defense is improved. And 
Um, I think that the Raiders are definitely here to stay. Yeah, I'm not going to knock Derek Carr. I think he, in my opinion, he looks much better this year. He definitely looks legit, in my opinion. It's two weeks, though, right? We can't just judge a book by its cover off two weeks. There's a lot left to the season. The line is negative three and a half at home this week. Um, it seems like this game right now is based on Tua's status. Could recommend, you know, a, a negative three and a half line if it's on your books. But I think the best situation right now is just to kind of wait on that injury news. Um, for me, it's a layoff. The next game on my board is the Patriots versus Jets. This one was a blowout. No chalk locks. One big on this one. Miles, do you want to talk more about that one? Yeah, so I was glad to see that Zach Wilson totally imploded in this game as we had, I had the Patriots on the money line and minus three. Um, so I had them all over the place. But the Jets, Jets actually looked fine on defense and they ran the ball pretty well. Uh, it's kind of crazy. The Patriots were only up 10 after Wilson's fourth interception. So usually if a team turns it over that many times, uh, they're going to get absolutely crushed. But the they were only down 10. The Patriots came down, scored, missed the extra point. So even after that drive, the Jets had the ball down 16 um, early in the fourth, late in the third. So uh, it's a little concerning for me that the Patriots didn't win by more. Um but I, I do think that I'm going to be back on the Patriots this week as they face the Saints. Yeah, they're at home this week as a negative three favorite. Um, kind I of need a to super get you a shot caller. And every time you say negative, I just zap the hell out yeah, of it. <laughs> minus favorite. Um, Corey, are the Patriots something to back in week three at home here? I think it's more of a fade James Winston spot here. I think the Patriots have the exact defense to get in his head. And honestly, just another spot like Carolina was, or we love Carolina to cover that three and a half there. Um, just heading to uh, heading to Foxborough is not an easy spot there. Uh, obviously, the Saints are down, uh, but they have a very thin wide receiver. Uh, Alvin Kamara hasn't really been in the game this year. Uh, gotten to his groove this year. Uh, a lot of that could be put in on Jameis Winston, especially last week with the struggles he had. But yeah, I mean, if the Saints were at home, I could see this one being a little bit of a toss-up, but I think it's a good spot to back the Patriots here. Yeah, so, I mean, this is this is a game that I feel like every Republican in America is going to be a little uh, twisted. It's like, who do you back? Are, the, are you a Patriots or the Saints? I mean, it's a church v. state type of deal. <laughs> um, I know personally I'm going to go America first here, though, in this secular world that we're living and take the Patriots minus three. I, this is actually the lowest total on the board at 41 and a half. I think, in my opinion, it's too low. Or actually, you know what? The Jets and Broncos is listed at 41, so it beats it by 0. 0.5. Um, but this is, a, this is a really low total. I mean, do you guys think that's set right? Is there any value in the over here? I mean, the Saints easily could have gotten blanked last week against the Panthers. And I do think the Panthers' defense is legit, but the only reason the Saints even scored a touchdown is because Sam Darnold turned it over inside the Panthers 15. Uh, the Patriots, once again, only had 13 points after four Jets turnovers. So I'm, I don't necessarily agree that it's going to be high scoring. Um, I'd probably lay off at 41 and a half. If it gets below 41, I may play the over, but that's just me. For sure. Um, one of the caliber matchups of week two we saw was the Minnesota Vikings against Arizona Cardinals. So the Vikings could easily be 2-0. They're going into their first home game. It's a small dog spread against the Seahawks. I want to jump back to week two, though, and talk about what happened here when the Vikings blew this game against the Cardinals. Corey, can you kind of talk about that one? Yeah, I mean, I think it's all in the Minnesota radio announcer here. I mean... That, that, that was brutal to be, to be a, a Skull fan. I mean, you're listening on the radio, you're thinking they they won, and the kicker just misses that easy field goal. Uh, but in all, in all seriousness, um, yeah, I mean, this is a game Minnesota should have won. Uh, Kyler did his thing, but, I mean, the interception to start off the second half was huge, getting Minnesota up. Dalvin Cook um, suffered, what, two separate injuries in that game? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. was, able, was able to come back from them, but still, I mean, you saw, saw Kirk Cousins sling, slinging the ball. Deep the entire time. Um, you're seeing KJ Osborne step up 
of Minnesota, giving them a legitimate three uh, really good receivers there. And a Cardinals defense that flourished week one against the Titans looked exposed in this one. Uh, we were on the plus uh, four and a half for the Vikings on this one. Uh, it looked great up until, honestly, the end where the Vikings had a great defensive stand, which probably got us that cover. Um, but, yeah, like you said, those Vikings could easily be 2-0. and And uh, this game against the Seahawks is going to be a big one for them. Yeah, it's kind of crazy if you look at the tail of two kickers here. Um, the Cardinals kicker hits a 62-yarder in the half, and then the Vikings kicker misses a 37-yarder to end the game. So that's a that's a game where if you just switch the little white on athletic folk on both teams, then uh, it's a different result. For sure, for sure. Um, so if you're looking into week three, the Vikings, like Corey had said, they're at home. Right now I'm actually seeing a plus two line at home. Um, is there anything worth taking to back the Vikings against the Seahawks here? Yeah, I mean, I, I personally took the Vikings plus one and a half. Um, and so obviously I would take it at plus two. I thought that the Vikings line dominated, honestly, if you looked at that Cardinals game and that a lot of the the scoring plays by the Cardinals were broken plays. Now, that's not to say that Russell Wilson can't do this as well, because he certainly can. But I think that it's actually an advantage that the Vikings played Murray this week, and then now we're facing Russell Wilson, because they'll be able to dissect that film, probably learn a little bit better how to contain the quarterback. And I think that at home, laying two is a little bit disrespectful, especially to a team that's 0-2 and uh, I don't think it's an overreaction to say fighting for their lives. If you go in three, that's a pretty big hole to be in. I wouldn't suspect you you would make the playoffs in a wild card spot, so you'd have to beat Green Bay for the division. So moving forward, one of the games No Chocolate Clocks had a bet on was the Dallas Dallas Cowboys versus Los Angeles Chargers. The Cowboys oh, took man. a W in this one. Yeah, twenty seventeen to win, and the. Uh, the Chargers were favored by three at home. Couldn't get it done. I'm surprised Herbert wasn't able to pull this one out. Corey, you want to talk more about that one? No, I don't. Um, <laughs> this, this one was heartbreaking, man. I mean, this was when that line first came out at, uh, at 51, we jumped on the over so quickly. We just couldn't believe the line. And honestly, this game could have been 35-30 easily. I mean, just the, the three interceptions from this game, Herbert throwing um, one in the red zone. Uh, we saw just ridiculous penalties on both sides of the ball. Uh, I think Herbert had three touchdowns called back, uh, which is just insane. Uh, he still threw 338 yards. I believe he had 83 yards of uh, passing yards called back, which was the second highest in the last four years behind Tom Brady, um, which is just crazy to see. I mean, both offenses were just moving the ball the entire time, and we couldn't even get to that over, nor did we even get even close um, after the first quarter, I think, had, um, what, 17 points? Yeah. Uh, I mean, that one was heartbreaking. That that was the biggest upset uh, I had on that slate. <laughs> yeah, there was there was one punt between both teams and the under hit by 30 points. I mean, just a sick and twisted world we live in when something like that happens. But <laughs> I, we were definitely on the right side. Uh, the game closed, the total closed 55, 55 and a half, and we had 51. So it's definitely a play that you would – you would go back and do every time, but it's, it is kind of ironic because it's obviously a results oriented business, but you also have to just kind of trust the process. And that's a process that I think that we attack the right way and I'll live with the result on that one. And get new refs so, to uh, call that game. Yeah. Get new refs. That was awful. <laughs> Miles quick record check. What was no talk locks week two record on the bets? Yeah, so week two, uh, coming off of 17 and 8, week one, we were 22 and 16. So we're at 62% on the year on 63 plays. So pretty pretty hard to beat. Exactly. And I want to remind everyone, even though we are bringing up losing bets in week two right now, the record and the bets that we do talk about on this podcast are still very profitable. So don't miss out on those. Um, but moving forward, I want to talk about the Atlanta Falcons versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game. Tom Brady is elite. Everybody knows it. I don't care what you have to say. They demolished the Falcons in this one. But it was a closer game than I had thought going into the fourth quarter. Miles, do you want to talk about that one? Yeah, I mean, 
like you said, it was 28 to 25 bucks with 13 minutes left, and Falcons ended up going punt, pick six, pick six, downs, downs in their final uh, five possessions. And the pick sixes, while they weren't gems of passes by Matt Ryan, they were tipped passes that ended up getting caught by the Buccaneers and once again resulted in two pick sixes, and that was kind of the game. So it's another one of those games where I feel like the final score is misleading. Um, I am interested in the Falcons this week against the Giants, and if it gets to three and a half minus 110, then the Falcons are probably going to be a play of mine. Yeah, I'm also actually on the Falcons for week three. I like that play against the Giants. I know you had actually brought up outside of the podcast a a record against the spread teams that are 0-2. What was the line or what was the like record there? Yeah, so five NFL teams have started the season 0-2 against the spread. And in the last 11 seasons, there have been 77 teams to do this. And those teams are 61% against the spread in week three. So once again, just slow down. Um, and there's in the last 11 seasons, there's 77 teams uh, worth of data point who have been 0-2 against spread, and they cover week three 61% of the time. This year, we have five teams that are 0-2 against the spread, and those teams are the Falcons, the Jets, the Jags, the Kansas City Chiefs, and the Washington football team. So it History says if you would bet all five of those teams against the spread this week, you're expected to win three of them. So we'll we'll be looking to use that data, not bet them blindly, but back those teams selectively. Yeah, I think with if you're getting three points on the road with the Falcons and the Giants, in my opinion, aren't getting much of home field advantage anyway. I think I'm gonna have to run with those points. I'm not sure anything under three. I'm gonna I'm gonna take I my, but my lean there is for sure the Falcons. Um, well, Corey, would you tend to agree there? Yeah, Corey should know. He's a New Yorker. Corey, do they let do they let all the street folk into the stadium and get a rambunctious crowd, or what? How's the home field advantage over there? I don't think a uh, a crowd can help the Giants too much. Uh, that's that's a stadium I'm actually staying away from. Uh, just nothing. I mean, come on, if you're watching the Giants or Jets, what what are you buying a ticket to? Um, I'm actually looking at the over here. Um, I think I think it's a little more intriguing. I believe we're at what 48, uh, yeah, 48, 47 in some places. Uh, you're looking at a Giants defense that is um, giving up 57 points through two games. Um, just uh, like defense is not doing anything, and they haven't even played two elite offenses. We're talking Teddy Brid- Teddy Bridgewater and uh, T- Taylor Heineke. Um, and then you're also looking at um, a Falcons team that you know they're gonna have to they're gonna have to pass the ball. Uh, so the tempo should pick up a little bit. Mike Davis hasn't really been getting the job done for them. Um, and we saw the Falcons put up 25 uh, points against the Bucks. Now that Bucks defense is a little bit depleted at this point, but it's not going to take much for that over to hit. Um, uh, Daniel Jones should be fine through the air against the Falcons this week, and I think it's a pretty low total. Um, so I don't know about playing a side there, but I'm intrigued by the over. Yeah, I don't hate that. Moving forward – um actually you know what i actually want to move back just a step we had talked about the falcons and buccaneers game um that kind of leads me into a week three discussion against the rams when the buccaneers hit the road so right now on drafting look i'm looking at their negative one uh, on the road they're so my lean here zap (laughs) did i say negative again yeah it's natural man (laughs) and that's not coming off in an edit so (laughs) good so the minus one to Miles' likings here. Um, I'm personally on Tampa Bay here, okay? Tom Brady's the highest-graded quarterback against the Blitz this year. Um, they have the top-rated, you know, offense in the league. The Rams, in my opinion, okay, I think it, it is a good defense, but once had a really nice game, and um, that was a closer game than I anticipated for the Rams. I think if this game comes down to the wire, the Bucks should be able to pull through. Before I get to Miles, because I know you're going to be on the opposite side with the Rams, Corey, I kind of want your opinion on what you expect coming into this week three game. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to have a dog in the fight here. Uh, I, I, I can't let the bias get to me. I am a Rams fan here. Um, but, I mean, I think it's going to be a shootout. That's the only way the Rams have a chance at this one. Uh, the defense was incredible last year. I believe ranking number one overall in, in many categories. 
Um, we're looking at brand new defense uh, under Raheem Morris and uh, with Brandon Staley, uh, who I think is an absolute uh, defensive genius moving to the Chargers. We've seen the Rams struggle with two teams that uh, nothing special with the, with the Colts and the Bears. Uh, and the Colts honestly possibly had the chance to push the Rams to overtime um, with one last drive. Carson Wentz didn't uh, sprain both of his ankles. Somehow, I don't know how he did that um, on before the last drive. But, I mean, the one thing that the Rams do have going for them here is that uh, obviously a huge upgrade with Matthew Stafford over Jared Goff. But we're looking at Tampa Bay, who is down two cornerbacks, their two best cornerbacks, and actually are just reached out to Richard Sherman to see if he would uh, suit up because they're very thin there. And uh, yeah, it's looking like Carlton Davis is pretty questionable for this game. Um, Tommy Bay said he wants to unleash Deshaun Jackson this week. He hasn't been getting uh, in there that much. Another deep threat for them. And uh, Cooper Cup has just been incredible this year. About a 40% target share, 60 receptions, 271 yards, and three touchdowns. Um, Buccaneers are going to score no problem. I haven't liked what I've seen from the Rams defense, but, I mean, this one's going to be a shootout. We could see possibly another amazing game that we saw between the Rams and the Chiefs about three years ago. Uh, it's going to be excited. I, Vegas is right with the, with the, uh, the pick I'm here, and I just, I just can't get a dog in this fight. Yeah, that's got to be one of the most watched games for sure in week three. Miles, I know you're leaning the Ram side. Do you want to talk about why? Yeah, I mean, like Corey mentioned, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are really thin at cornerback position right now. And I don't think that playing the Rams with this offense, that's a good position to be thin at. Um, obviously, I do think that Tom Brady and the Buccaneers offense is incredible, but if I take you back a couple of years ago, I remember a young Sean McVay who was being touted as a genius for holding Tom Brady and the Patriots to 13 points in the Super Bowl. So I think that if anyone can hold Brady, uh, maybe McVay has the recipe for that. Obviously, it's a different team. They have more weapons. But I think this is a statement game for McVay, who kind of has some Super Bowl revenge, even though, once again, it's a different team. It is the man behind um, that the result, which was Tom Brady. And I think that uh, the Rams being plus one, plus two, probably at the end of the week at home is a little bit disrespectful. And I, I think that I would have to just take the points. For sure. That's going to be one of the more exciting games of week three. I can't wait for it. I know we're going to have a lot to talk about after that game is done. Um, a game that we're going to jump back on week two that we, that we haven't discussed yet is the Titans versus Seahawks. The Seahawks closed as negative six and a half point favorites. Zach. A lot of the public was on it as well. <laughs> okay, you know what? <laughs> the Seahawks closed as, oh my, I almost said it again. Oh, Minus wow. six and a half cow. point favorites. The, again, this is to Miles Likings. Okay, so. This is um, for the fans. <laughs> yeah. So the Seahawks unfortunately didn't win this game. A lot of public betters were upset. Um, a Titans team that squeaked away a three-point win. Miles, what happened here? Yeah, I think that this is an example of Derrick Henry really wearing down teams in the second half. I, you see this all the time. I would be super intrigued to see his splits, but he is a type of running back who, if you run him 10 times in the first half and he only has, you know, 25 yards, that that just the sheer amount of energy it takes to tackle him that if you give him the ball another 10 times in the second half he could end up with 150 yards and that's what happened here uh the titans were not afraid to stick to their game plan and kept running and i think that it wore down the seahawks defense and the titans even missed a 44 yard field goal to start the fourth and still were able to overcome that and ended up getting the victory in overtime which should have honestly ended up as a walk-off safety, but uh, set him up with a great field position. They came down, kicked a field goal for the win. Yeah, so the Titans come away with a, a big win over the Seahawks. They now are tied for, or actually they're second in the AFC South. Um, so that, that's something to watch moving forward for them. They are in week three going to play the Colts when they host them as minus five and a half point um, on a total of 48 points. Corey, uh, are the Colts anything to look at? Are the Titans anything to look at? What's kind of your take in this game? I, I think we have a look at, she's uh, uh, a look. I think we have uh, two <laughs> offensives that are a mess right now. Um, the reason being is it looks like the Titans are down the third 
linemen right now um, with Tara Luan getting hurt as well as Roger Saffold during the game. And then you're looking at the Colts who might not have a quarterback. Um, so this is going to be very interesting. Uh, interesting to see the Colts defense um, to just take advantage of the Titans having their issues and possibly force Tannehill to throw, um, which we saw uh, Tannehill uh, get sacked three times last week and for a lot of yards as he tries to escape it. Uh, I think it's too early in the week for this one to call. I mean, we don't know if Carson Wentz is going to play. Uh, those, those linemen are likely out for the Titans. So, I mean, it, on, on Tuesday, it's too hard to have a dog in the fight, but come Thursday and Friday, it might be something we look, we look forward to. So, an easy game to kind of lay off on right now. Um, if we want to go back to week two, probably the game of the week, and it was a Sunday night football game, the Ravens versus Chiefs. That game was absolutely crazy to watch. It was super exciting. Whether what bet you had, um, just nonstop action there. Miles, do you want to talk about kind of the outcome of that one? Yeah, I mean, the whole game, it felt like, a tale of whoever got the ball last was going to win. Just both defenses looked non-existent out there. Uh, Lamar was doing it with his legs, and Kansas City was doing it behind the arm strength of Patrick Mahomes. And I thought that what cost the Chiefs is actually what won the Ravens the game, and that is being too conservative. It looks like they were playing for a field goal there at the end when they could have just tried to drive down the field and score a touchdown. They were trying to milk some clock with – Clyde Edwards Hilaire, he ends up coughing it up. And then on the flip side, the Ravens said uh, to hell with being conservative and go forward on fourth and one. Uh, I thought it was hilarious how everyone on Twitter was hyping up the fact that John Harbaugh mouthed to Lamar Jackson, hey, you want to go for this, Lamar? Hey, you want to go for this? As if Lamar Jackson would be like, nah, coach, let's let's punt this bad boy away. <laughs> Um, that's, that's a man right there who has a great publicist and PR agent. Cause he knows that if he says that and it gets picked up on camera, that if, you know, Lamar were to come up short, he'd be like, yeah, well, I had to trust my quarterback. That's my guy. And now that, you know, Lamar got the yard, he's a hero. And wow, look at how in tune Harbaugh is with his players. So good, good move by Harbaugh there. Yeah. You know, even with this win, against the Chiefs, I'm still not sold on Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. My problem here is there was at least three plays where Lamar turned the ball over, didn't look great. I mean, if, if you subtract those plays out of this game, the Ravens could have easily ran away with the big big blowout because the Chiefs have some problems here going on, right? There's some underlying concerns regarding, you know, the, the defense. Um, I'm not sure how the O-line is looking with injuries right now, but um, I'm not. I'm personally not sold on the Ravens, nor am I really even sold on the Chiefs. I don't think they're as good as the team as they have been for the past few years. Um, Corey, would you tend to agree with us? Yeah, I would, and um, I'm pretty positive uh, that the Chiefs are what uh, have not covered the spread in their last nine games, uh, with with eight losses and one push, um, which is pretty concerning after a team that uh, covered the spread for man the first almost the first ten weeks of last season. Um, yeah, whatnot, so, or something like that. Yeah, I mean, the defense hasn't been anything special yet. Uh, I mean, they're relying on the big plays from Pat Mahomes, as per usual. They have no running game at all, and we just saw... Uh, actually, that Pat Mahomes interception probably turned the entire game around for the Ravens after a brutal start by both uh, the pick six by Lamar Jackson and a pick, uh, a pick in the red zone. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm absolutely looking on uh, picking against this Chiefs team uh, next week as they take on, take on the Chargers. Yeah, they're right now the Chargers are plus six and a half on the road. I personally want a plus seven. Miles, is that plus six and a half though still worthy of taking right now, or should we wait for that line? Uh, I don't think it's going back up to plus seven. Um, I know that Corey, I believe, grabbed that plus seven early on, which was a good move. I, I think the seven is is definitely gone at this point. I probably wouldn't touch it just because I hate knowing that the seven was available and you got six and a half. Um, if anything, I'm going to see, keep an eye on this over. If it gets to 55, play the over. Cause once again, there was only one punt in the chargers Cowboys game, even though it was a low scoring game. And we just saw how much of a scoring fest the Ravens and chiefs were. So if anything, I'll be looking to play the over. And then in terms of the Ravens side of the game for week three, they are minus nine favorites on the road. It's a hefty line against the Detroit Lions. Is there any value here in the Lions at all or no? 
Um, yeah, the Lions are an interesting team. You know, they they were in it with Green Bay in the first half, and then it just seemed like the rain started coming down, and the Lions had never experienced the elements before. I don't know if it's because they're used to playing in a dome in Ford Field or what the deal with that was, but I do think that that's a pretty hefty line, um, especially for a Lions team that's capable of scoring. Uh, the back door is always open, and so. I would lean to the Lions, but at nine, I would probably stay away and see if it gets to 10 or I just watch and take notes. Yeah, we're going to get into that Lions game next, but I was actually kind of surprised. I think the Lions surprised everybody when they came out that first half against the Packers. I think a lot of people have kind of written them off early on in the season. They've been putting up points. I know a lot of it came in the fourth quarter against San Francisco, but the first half, you're right, they definitely did look good, but then something just wasn't clicking in the second half. Uh, Corey, are you on the same page there with you know laying off right now, or is there some value in the lines for you? It's actually interesting because you're seeing some seven and a halves out there, uh, and actually a nine. It's, uh, it's kind of all over the place. Um, but, I mean, if it actually does get to seven, that'll be very interesting. But, I mean, as, as well as Aaron Jones did last night with uh, three touchdowns, uh, well, four touchdowns, three of them were yeah. through the air. Um, and you're looking at a Lions defense that held the Packers to just 3.1 yards per carry, uh, which is pretty interesting when you look at a Ravens team that's going to be running the ball the whole time. Um, so if they can limit them that way, it's good. It's definitely going to be a more interesting game, especially Ravens defense that's very banged up. Um, I think this this one's going to depend on what kind of number you get. If it got up to like back up to nine, nine and a half, I think you're kind of interested in the Lions there. But uh, at, at seven and a half, it's a tough call. So speaking of the Lions, their Monday night football matchup against the Packers, no talk locks had the Packers at negative seven and a half. At, at least that's what it closed at. Zap. Um, they ended up covering the spread. What was that? I said zap. Minus. Look, the past three, I've done a pretty good job at saying minus. Um, yeah, you're like okay. three for 14. You're on fire. <laughs> <laughs> so minus 11 and a half. Colin Packers Simmons from the free throw line. Oh, God. Amen. They ended up covering this line. Um, I was worried in the first half. I'm not going to lie. I was watching that first half. I'm like, yeah, good. you know, GG, this is not hitting. Um, a dominant second half for the Packers, though. Big bounce back. They're going to go into week three um, on the road as a plus three and a half dog against the 49ers. So we obviously know much about that Packers and Lions game. Miles, I kind of want your thoughts going into week three now. What with what can we expect from the Packers going into this 49ers game? Yeah, so I'm actually higher on the 49ers than I am the Packers, but the 49ers uh, are banged up at running back right now. So that's one of their main offensive uh, weapons is kind of their running back by committee, and the, even the committee's hurt. So I think that if you are – able to get a three and a half on the Packers that you should probably go ahead and grab it now because it's, it'll probably end closer to three. Um, for me, I, I really don't have a strong feel. Uh, the Packers didn't impress me much. Uh, the 49ers didn't impress me much. So I'm going to wait and see if anything, I would play the 49ers if it got to two and a half. Uh, but if you like the Packers, I would go ahead and suggest grabbing them now. That'll recap week two. We've gone through all the games there. One game we haven't touched on for week three was the Jets versus Broncos game. So looking at this line, the Broncos are minus 10.5 point favorites. In my opinion, this is a layoff game solely because this is a super high spread for me to even back the Broncos. And, and then the Jets on the other side of the ball have just been non-existent. Um, Miles, would you agree that this is a layoff game or do you have an edge here? Oh, man, I'm so tempted to do the unthinkable and take the Jets in this game. Uh, the total is 41, so 10.5-point spread is huge, right? If you think that there's only going to be 41 points total and you think that one team's going to win by 11 or more, that's saying quite uh, a bit about how low people are on the Jets. And once again, I just think that the Jets' defense looked fine. Uh, they ran the ball well. Zach Wilson can't play much worse. I know it's in Denver in September, and that is one of the betting trends that everyone loves to thump their chest about as if you know they uncovered some golden nugget that no one else knows about. Um, but uh, 10 and a half is a lot. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think about it. 
I just don't see the Broncos. Um, I don't know why they would care to absolutely kill the Jets. And I think that this is a huge game just for Jets team morale. For sure. I think it is a higher spread and I'm, I'm not going to knock that at all. I just, I, I can't get myself to stomach the thought of backing Zach Wilson right now. Well, not happening thing, for me. Yeah. Sorry. One thing that I would say that also leads me to look at the Jets a little bit uh, longer is that the Broncos have the Ravens the next week. So if there was ever a time to be looking ahead, it's, you know, you're home for the Jets and then you have the Ravens coming to town next week. This would be a possible situation where the Broncos just lay off the gas at the end and the Jets could cover that 10 and a half point spread. For sure. So we've gone through week three bets. Uh, actually, one game we haven't touched on, and that's that's the soonest one from now, is in two days, which is the Carolina Panthers versus the Houston Texans. The Texans are going to host the Panthers in this game. Uh, they're eight and a half point dogs on a 43 and a half total. Corey, is there any bet that you like two days from now um, going into this week three game? Yeah, I mean, if you, if you were able to get the Panthers at the open at, uh, at minus seven before the news about Tyrod Taylor came out, I mean, that would have been excellent at this point. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see uh, what Davis Mills does um, in his first start uh, for the Texans. But, I mean, I think this game you might be looking more towards player props uh, than betting. Um, really haven't seen the Panthers on the road this year um, so much. So, yeah, I mean, I just I think this one might be one I tar- target more player props just based on lack of a uh, sample size from the Texans quarterback. Yeah, I can see our team coming up with some props for that Thursday night instead. I don't think there's much value to be had in this game as of right now after that news broke. Um, Miles, so our viewers for who are just listening the first time now, if you're not aware of the MyBookie Super Contest, last year Miles placed third in the world. Um, really good record. And this year, we each week re- recap um, what he picked last week and then what he also has for coming this week. So, Miles, do you want to talk about the five that you had last week and kind of what you're looking for in week three? Yeah, so real quick before I pull that up, I I would say that if I had one bet in this Texans-Panthers game as a Panthers fan, it would be the under. Um, I'm surprised that it's still at 43. I know that we got it at 43 and a half. Uh, It kind of went up to 44 earlier and then came back down. Um, The Panthers have only scored, you know, 19 points the first game against a Jets team who's, you know, nothing to bat an eye at, and then 26 against the Saints. And then the Texans obviously have a rookie quarterback. So I don't see how this game gets above that 43-point mark. So if I were going to play anything, that would certainly be it. Uh, As far as last week's picks, we had – we went four and one last week on the Super Contest. We had – San Francisco minus three, Carolina plus three and a half, Green Bay minus 10. Um, The Falcons plus 13 was our loss. And then we had the Patriots minus three. So four and one. And the first week we went three and two. So we are seven and three on the year, which is obviously a recipe to end up being right there and contention to win it again this year if we can keep that up so week two definitely went well four and one the record um outside of the props the spreads did really nicely uh for week three do you got do you already have your picks locked in so far do you have at least a few what's kind of your outlook right now yeah so i do i do have my picks locked in um and i know that we've talked about this before but just so new listeners know I like to pick teams that I I feel like the line could possibly move that way because you can lock in those teams and if the line moves against you you can always get off of them but so my what I have locked in early so far is the Patriots minus three against the Saints I have the Colts actually plus five and a half um, I against the Titans that's just a scenario where I feel like if Wentz is announced that he's going to play, that line's going to plummet. And if he's ruled out, I'll change off that pick. 
Um, I have the Falcons plus three and a half. That's just a my bookie super contest line that I was fortunate to get. I have the Eagles plus four once again against the Cowboys, and then I have the Vikings plus two against the Seahawks. So the underdogs have been doing really well in early onset of the NFL. I'm riding them as well, as well as the Patriots this week. Far look ahead, but I think my favorite bet of that bunch is the Eagles plus four. I think there's a lot of value there right now. Um, I could definitely see that line being actually moved down later in the week. It is a Monday night game, that one, so it'll be a little bit so we see that about less than a week from now. Um, Corey, are there any of those bets that you like that stood out to you that you can say, yeah, I'm absolutely hammering that as well? Yeah, I mean, actually, speaking of the Eagles bet, I mean, it's just a huge uh, – I know we talked about this a lot uh, ourselves. Uh, just a huge fade of the public spot. You're looking at 72% of the public right now backing Dallas, yet that line is actually creeping towards the Eagles um, at a few places right now. So, I mean, you know, Vegas knows what's going on. We know what go- what's going on. That's uh, You're that's damn right, baby. <laughs> uh, my- Miles <laughs> is Vegas sometimes. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the big one for me, uh, very high on Pats minus three, definitely – Team fade James Winston, especially on the road. Um, Foxborough is not an easy place to play, and they're just going to dictate the tempo in that one. Um, and then, again, uh, just going back to uh, – I think Chargers plus seven is a fantastic bet if you're able to get a plus seven. Uh, the Chargers have played the Chiefs close about three times in a row. Um, Herbert, fantastic quarterback. Uh, you're looking at a great spot where the Chiefs just had not covered in nine straight games. Um, and in a game with a shootout, uh, the Chargers can absolutely keep pace with the Chiefs. Um, so that's where I'm looking as well. Yeah, I think plus seven on a, on a Herbert is laying too many points, in my opinion, um, especially against you know a Chiefs team that just came off a loss against Baltimore's favorite. So I like that Chargers line as well. Last week, I know me and Miles did talk about Jameis Winston. In my opinion, um, too overhyped off that week one. I'm not I'm not a big believer in him as you know as well. So I think that Patriots negative three definitely something to look at too, guys. Uh, couldn't even finish another. Couldn't finish the episode with another zap on. Um, the like minus three sometimes. definitely a good look for the Patriots. That's a week three recap. I want to thank Corey and Miles for coming on this podcast, episode three of the No Chalk Locks podcast. Um, any last words? Uh, I that's, think I'm good. Okay, I was gonna say that's a no. So uh, okay, you missed that um, too. You just say zap. That's all. That's yeah, all we needed, yeah. Miles. Uh, I was going to tell a uh, uh, Jameis Winston, Drew Brees comparison joke, but I figured it may be a little bit too much for the podcast. Well, if you guys want to tune in to more bets of ours and make sure you're locking in as early as we are, make sure you guys follow us on Twitter at no chalk locks. Um, We will send you either a text message or um, just a, a note page of what we got going on over there. Lots of winning bets to come for week three. We're super excited. Um, From Corey, Miles, and me, Alex, we're signing off. Thanks for listening. Godspeed.